Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. I've recently started a new business called Bia that helps women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from bad cramps, irregular periods, fatigue, bloating. Stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to welcome this week's guest, Rebecca Hessel-Cohen, to our show today. Rebecca is the founder and CEO of Love Shack Fancy, a fashion and lifestyle brand known for its unique floral prints and bohemian dresses. Love Shack Fancy was born out of necessity when Rebecca was in search of the perfect bridesmaid dresses and was completely out of luck. After creating her own design, she got so many compliments and support from her family and friends that she began selling these dresses from the trunk of her car and the rest was history. Today, Love Shack Fancy is a cult favorite among women of all ages and people love their vintage inspired details, flattering silhouettes, and playful dresses. What started out as a dress company in 2013 has now evolved into an all-encompassing lifestyle brand selling fragrances at Sephora to kids clothing and a home collection that is set to launch very, very soon. In this week's episode, we chat about her upbringing surrounded by fashion, her early career as a fashion editor, and why she felt like it was time to do something different in her life despite the incredible job that she had. We talk about how her interest making a few pieces of clothing turned into a side hustle and eventually years later her full-time gig and what that was like doing it alongside her firstborn child. Rebecca opens up about how so many people told her that the feminine print and vibe would never sell and that her brand name was horrible. But we also dig into why none of those comments really stopped her. We talk about the unglamorous days of building the brand, how she tackles fears that show up at different business milestones, and how she used social media to skyrocket her success. She also shares the importance of setting boundaries with her business, her mission for Love Shack Fancy, and the do's and don'ts of running a business for over a decade and so much more. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's such an honor to have you here. I'm a big fan of you and the brand. So there's a lot we're going to talk about today. And I want to start off talking about your brand. You've spent over a decade building and creating Love Shack Fancy. What's your mission and North Star when it comes to the brand? So I think the mission and the North Star is definitely having a brand, which is now fashion and beauty because we just launched fragrance, um, you know, that really really reaches and speaks to generations of women and girls. And really, it's about, you know, feeling confident, looking beautiful, feeling powerful, sexy, um, you know, feeling extremely feminine, romantic, but also, you know, owning it and feeling like a strong, powerful woman as well. So, you know, it's the whole world of, I feel like Barbie really did such a good job recently. But it's like before that we always say before there was Barbie, there was Love Shack Fancy. So it's about, you know, being able to wear pink, to wear ruffles, to mm-hmm. wear these, you know, sweet, beautiful dresses that sort of, you know, take you from one special moment in life through another and feeling beautiful, sexy, romantic, confident all at the same time. So I feel like that's really important. And that starts at every eight, you know, from little from little girls all the way up to grandmothers. 
I love it. I have goosebumps with you just saying that. And I love that you can wear pink, but still be powerful and confident. And I think your brand is just an amazing depiction of that. And I'm curious, you know, going back to the early days of your life, were you this confident young woman that you are today and that the brand exudes? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was definitely confident. Um, I definitely, I've, I've said, everyone always says, have you always loved pink? Have you always been this so like unabashedly feminine? I went through all the phases. I went through the grunge phase when that was cool with like Nirvana and, you know, in the 90s, like I went through every single phase that was like trendy and, um, and, and, and it started off in when I was young, you know, I grew up surrounded by this world of vintage clothing, textiles, Laura Ashley wallpaper, clothing, even though I got to the age where I was refusing to wear it and my mom was still wanting me to. Um, it was definitely like in my DNA, Victorian dresses, um, beautiful like Laura Ashley florals, things like that. And then of course, rebelling against that and then wanting to, you know, so I would say then through my 20s, my style changed, but then it was very much like mini skirts, any mini skirt I could find like the best high heels and like rocker tees, leather jackets. And then really when I had my daughter, my first daughter, which is when I launched, officially launched Love Shack Fancy um, 2013 is when I like went so strongly into this world of like femininity and pink and the princess dresses and this nostalgia, this like more fairy tale world of, mm -hmm. you know, really where the prince and the colors and all of that came together and and where it really made sense like as one. Um so it has evolved and now I'm just like in it. I don't know if I can ever <laughs> think. There's no going back and I love that your daughter and we'll get into this in a little bit later just kind of unlock this passion and value yes. that you And then I had another job and then it was like even yeah. more and so as I was like you know like reading the, like all these, you know, books from my childhood and watching these movies and, and, you know, understanding all of and seeing how excited she would get to like dress up and wear a little, you know, tutu skirt. And I was like, I want to wear a tutu skirt. I want to wear a tutu yes. skirt and match her. And I want to do this. And, you know, so all these things. And then it's like, but how do you take what sort of reminded me of my childhood and make it more modern and fresh and give it a spin? So it wasn't, you know, like, um, an old like shabby chic, for example, which I grew up with, it was more, it felt cool and different. No, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned your mom briefly. I know she's been a huge influence just for you growing up. She was like this badass woman in fashion, creative director at 17 Magazine. I'm curious, what would you say is maybe one of the earliest childhood memories you have that you think might've been the most impactful for you? Well, I mean, my mom, you know, she worked, she worked so hard my whole life. And as much as I, you know, a part of me always wanted her to be a stay at home mom and pick me up at school. And everyone always says, oh, your daughter's much, must be so proud of you. I think that you don't really realize what your mom is doing until later on and how much it impacts you down the road, to be honest. So of course I wanted her to be, you know, with me all the time after school, but she was really busy. And so every, you know, she would come home from work and that was obviously before phones and emails and all this stuff. And so she would edit every, all of her photos, all of the, you know, editorials. And she, I would lay in bed with her and we would, you know, mark our selects and choose our favorites and whether she was, you know, editing text, copy, um, photos, we were choosing cover options. She just like included me in everything. And I just remember like snuggling with her in bed and loving it so much and feeling very much like a part of it. So I think that that was, and then 
anytime I could, I would go to the 17 magazine offices. And then the, all of like the assistants and the girls that work for her in the fashion department were then my babysitters. They were like my mentors in life. I then ended up going to intern for almost like, like every one of them at Vogue, Teen Vogue, like all around. Um, and it was really like, I loved being in the fashion closet. I loved being in the beauty closet. I loved just being absorbed. And it was like this big sisterhood and everyone just, you know, they had fun, but it was work, but it was like a life. And it was just like this world of, so that was very much. And, and my mom was really in it. It was very much like, you know, and she brought me, she brought me along whenever she could as well. So I think that was really definitely when I think back, it was just a part of my childhood. 17 magazine was like, you know, your family because you were a yeah. single child, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm mean, only, yeah. I love it. it. Only child. Yeah. Well, it's so cool because it's interesting reflecting back when you were younger and wishing you had a stay at home mom, but fast forward to today, all the beautiful lessons you had along the way and your daughters who are actively involved in the business, you're kind of taking it to the next generation, which is so cool. So I, I love that. So fast forwarding a little bit, you know, with this experience that you had interning and being in the fashion world, you ended up being a senior fashion and beauty editor at Cosmopolitan. And you've mentioned that the fashion design and the fashion editorial world isn't too different. What do you mean by that? I'd love to kind of unpack that a little bit. Well, so, I mean, I think for me, I, you know, I started off working as an assistant. I mean, I started off interning. I interned at every, you know, probably eight to 10 magazines starting in high school any chance I could. And then I worked at Glamour for Susie L.F. Schwartz doing like, we did makeovers, TV segments, things like that. And then um, and then I got a job working at Cosmopolitan. So I was associate fashion editor at first. So I assisted the fashion director. And so we did everything from, uh, you know, concept, produce, um, all the fashion shoots, celebrity shoots, beauty shoots, lifestyle, front of book, like everything, call in all the clothes and really dream up like the world that we wanted to create. And, and, you know, it was very much like, you know, we wanted to give our, the readers, uh, we wanted to inspire them and we wanted to feel like a bit, you know, inspirational and also attainable. Cosmopolitan for sure is one of the more attainable magazines as opposed to like a Vogue, which is super aspirational. But for me, I always was so interested in the dream of it too. And just the story and the it's like, where, where are the dresses, the accessories? Where is it going to take you? How does it complete the look like and also fit into the environment? You know, if, if she's on like like a, a, a rocky beach or if she's like, you know, running around through the streets of Paris or whatever it may be and sort of the essence and like what that all means. So I think for me, that was always in my DNA and that was always what I loved to do. I loved every how it all came together and really like the production of it which is what I still really do love. And so, you know, when I'm thinking about designing or pulling inspiration because everything for me starts with vintage and vintage textiles, vintage clothing and then we reinterpret and bring it into like this more modern new world, it's very much where is she wearing it? What is she doing? You know, who's wearing it? How old is she? Is she wearing it to, you know, her prom? Is she wearing is she getting married in it? Is and like, what does the rest of that world surrounding her look like? So I think that the way that I have approached, you know, Love Shack Fancy and starting this business, because it was never intended to be, it was really just like a side project for me. And I loved, you know, I, I made my bridesmaids dresses in the beginning. And so, and again, the bridesmaids dress was meant to be, I couldn't find anything that fit into 
the wedding, you know, the wedding as a whole, where it was like a backyard wedding and a beautiful tent at my family's home. And I just couldn't find anything that felt ethereal and romantic and beautiful that the girls could wear over and over again. So that was like, I was putting the dress into the, into the environment. So I think for me, it's very much all of it coming together. And that's why I really picture, and that's why so much, you know, we have content like overload here where like, whether it's on her iPhone, whether it's photography, it's so much the world that, that she's in and the world that she's creating and like being inspired by it. So I feel like, you know, and magazines, unfortunately, have like such a different place right now. So girls, they don't really read magazines anymore. So they're looking to Instagram, they're looking to brands, they're looking to TikTok for, you know, influencer, everyone to sort of create those worlds and inspire them. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com. And check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. And you were pretty early on content. But before we go there, I want to talk about how you kind of started this as a side thing. You know, it you're doing your bridesmaid dresses and it wasn't something that you quit your job and went all in until a few years later. So right. tell me more, like, how did it go from bridesmaid dresses to, oh, there's something here and I might leave this career that I have to go yeah. all in? Well, I think, you know, it was during, it was, this was a time when magazines really were changing. And I felt, I just, you know, you got to that point. I just felt not challenged anymore. And I was just a little bit, you know, a little bit bored. I felt like, you know, it was always a dream to be an editor in chief of a magazine, but then I realized, okay, no, I don't want to do that. And I, I much preferred more of the creative and I wanted to, or I wanted to be a creative director, but it was just like things were changing. Bloggers, influencers were really just starting to become popular. We were very much like at the mercy of our our readers at the time. So everything was like based on what they wanted to, um, what they wanted to see from us and less what we felt like as editors or as stylists, like we should do. And so I, I designed my bridesmaids dress like in the garment district in New York city, just as a fun, um, project. Cause I, I literally couldn't find a bridesmaids dress that I loved. The fabrics weren't good. The styles weren't great. And I just really wanted this flowy, beautiful dress that the girls could dance in that felt like they were, I wanted them to shine, you know, and I felt these other bridesmaids dresses made the girls look so like frumpy and not like I was going to have to redesign them. And I was like, let's just do this. So then the bridesmaids dresses were a huge hit. Then 
uh, like two weeks later, I wore one of the bridesmaids dresses for my best friend's wedding. And I had like the best night ever. Dance. Like I was like, this is the dream dress. Okay. I need to make this dress in another print. I need to wear it, have it for a, as a beach cover up. I need to make it, I want to wear it to dinner on Friday night. And so I made the dress in different silk fabrications and then everyone wanted the dress. So I started making just like 25 dresses, one of a kind fabric samples. I would go to mood fabrics in the garment district, buy whatever leftover fabrics they could get, discount fabrics, make them. Went to a pattern maker. You know, I had the pattern and I would just keep making these dresses. And so I did a few trunk shows out in the Hamptons like that summer. And then I continued to do it or I made a few dresses for like a photo shoot if we needed something. Remember once like we needed a dress for Lady Gaga. And I was like, okay, maybe we didn't end up shooting it. But once we did on Vanessa Hudgens for oh, I love it. amazing beauty story. But, you know, so it was really that. Then the next summer, it just very, it was like a slow project. And it was just like fulfilling my like creative needs. I was hand dyeing the dresses with my mom sometimes. And then I decided, oh, why don't we make a long skirt and a top? And why don't, then I started to try, you know, I was like, why don't we do eight styles? Maybe it's like eight styles that never go out of style. And that you can wear all the time, different prints, and they're all in silk. And I design. I started to think about I need the perfect mini skirt as well because I lived in in mini skirts. And um, the dresses were doing so well. And then I had this one. I was away actually in Saint Tropez, and I was on the beach with Lisa Marie Fernandez, and she gave me this like pep talk about. She's like, just do it. I did this. I was a stylist. I have my own business now. It's great. You're like me. You work so hard. I work 24 hours a day. I was like sleeping with my Blackberry, sleeping with, you know, and my husband said to me, he's like, you work so hard. If you put all this passion and energy into something that was just for you, because I was getting frustrated at the time. He's like, you know, I feel like it would be great. And like, I'll help you with the numbers because I'm not a number person. And so I came back. I was so like anxious, so upset, crying. I didn't want to, I don't, I hate change. And so, but anyway, I told my editor in chief, I was like, I think it's time. I want to just try this as a project. And she like gave me her blessing, Kate White. And she said, do it. And if all else fails, you can come back. So I left. And then the plan was to freelance style and to start this little business. And then I found out I was pregnant with Scarlett with my first daughter. So I was like, okay, why don't I actually try to put this? But then I had no idea how much energy and work and time it would go into actually doing this. So forget the freelance styling. I was just doing this, designed like a few of the best-selling styles, like a ruffle mini skirt now that year, went to the sales showroom, learned what a sales showroom is, learned how to price things, learned how to, I mean, ever, I didn't even know what a showroom was, you know? So I really learned, taught myself and asked friends. And just because my mom had been in the business and I worked at magazines, it was completely separate from anything like from the business of a fashion company, you know? So I was like starting from scratch and I just learned. I, I had, I met some really great people who, you know, and so, and then I launched the business when Scarlett was born when I was, so in 2013. And at the same time, I actually, I had been connected to Gwyneth Paltrow. So I, I ended up, I made like a little capsule collection for Goop, which got like a good amount of press, which was really exciting. And this was like early days of Goop, right? Like this is early, early days of Goop. Yeah, we both started similar time. And, you know, then I like, but then I realized that I had no idea. I was like, oh, I had no idea. I had to then like figure out how to ship all the clothes. Then I had to figure out how to do this. And then it's like, okay, what's the next collection? I'm like, next collection. I just start, you know. So I was really guided at that time by my sales showroom who was 
teaching me, showing me. This is the sales cadence. We have four times a year. You need to have a collection. You need to do this. I mean, it was like, it was a very stressful first few years because it is really daunting and you don't, you think it's going to be like, as you said, like so glamorous and beautiful and fun, but it's really, first of all, it's so hard and, and scary to put yourself out there and to like be judged by everyone and to think that like, well, what if people don't like it? And because before when I was in magazines, I didn't really know it was a magazine. I put it out into the world. Like you don't really have that direct feedback. This is like, you know, it is. And then you have to have your website. Instagram was starting to pick up. So, I, you know, Instagram was a really important thing. You know, I was selling to different department stores and boutiques. And it's like, do they like it? Do they hate it? It was a mixed bag. You know, a lot of people said, okay, I, I like the idea, but like, you know, this feminine bohemian trend isn't really right now. So maybe, you know, you should do primary colors and make it modern. And and maybe in like 10 years, this trend will come back. And I kept on saying, this is who I am. This is the style. And, the, you know, if I'm going to do it, this is what it's going to be. So, you know, I, it was very much a huge learning process, like for the first few years, I would say you know, every time you think that you're doing a great job and you're like getting this huge order and then it's like, okay, well then how am I going to make it? And then how am I going to get the money to do that? And how am I going to figure out the fits and the stuff? It's like nonstop, to be honest. <laughs> it's really a lot. And I love that you said, you know, every stage of the business is tough, but those early days are a different kind of tough. Like you're so vulnerable, you're so fragile, especially like with fashion design, like you're, it probably felt like you were naked. Like this is your whole self that you're putting out there. You don't know what people can feel. And what I find so interesting is that you mentioned you hate change, but being an entrepreneur and taking that leap, like every day is some wild roller coaster right. and there's change. So how have you dealt with that? Because a lot of women are listening in who have that corporate job, who feel stable, have these dreams, but also are scared of change. So how do you get over that fear? I mean, I think getting over, it's just you know, it's great to have like those cheerleaders as well in your life. Like my husband is that for me for sure. And he's very much like change is great, Rebecca, you have to do it. You know, you have to evolve, like change Like I am such a creature of habit and I love to feel comfortable and cozy. And, and I love, you know, working with like a, the, a great group of surrounding myself with a great group, you know, of people who I feel comfortable with. But I think that ultimately, you know, like when you have to evolve and you have to grow as a business, as a, as a person, as an entrepreneur, whatever it is. So I think you need to be able to like take those risks and, and just like, it sounds cliche, but like to believe in yourself and have a vision and feel strong and confident about it. And, you know, there's so many times where people said, oh, you shouldn't do this. Or People told me I should change the name. Love Shack Fancy it sounds too young. It doesn't feel mature, sophisticated enough. And I really contemplated that. Like, and then I kept it. You know, there's so many different. You have to figure out who to listen to, and like, and and really follow your gut. So, and at the end of the day, it's like, has your gut ever steered you wrong? Not, not really. Like, you just need to listen to it, and you and you have to stick behind it, and you can't be scared, and you have to. You know, it's like surrounding yourself with really strong, amazing, competent people who are able to lift you up, move you forward, and and help you in that way. So it's daunting, but it's it's always for the most part, hopefully, 
good. Totally. hundred percent. And I love what you were saying. Just, it sounds so simple, but it's so profound, like listening to your gut. I've had hundreds of women on this podcast and that's like the common theme. And every time I don't know what decision to make or someone's giving me feedback that I don't really agree with, I'm like, just tap into your gut. You know, everything about the business. So just be clear with that. But it's so fascinating that in the early days, like all these department stores, which you were selling to weren't really on board with your style. So how did you build that confidence to not veer off from what your vision was? Was it the customers that you had kind of giving you that positive feedback that kind of helped you stay in your lane? Because even to this day, your brand is so authentic to who you are. So you haven't wavered for anyone else. I think that, I mean, I think there are a few things. I also think that like, you know, they're the world of fashion really changed. Like department stores changed, boutiques changed, DTC became a, you know, direct-to-consumer websites, you know, brands selling directly to their customers and sort of taking the wholesale out of it changed. Like smaller independent brands really weren't given such a big opportunity before when I started. It was, everything was run by the theories and like, you know, the Michael Kors and, um, Diane von Furstenberg and all of those, you know, really big department store brands. So, and then I think that sh- that that fashion also shifted. And I remember once because I've always collected Victorian dresses, and so I wanted to create, I wanted to sort of redesign these beautiful Victorian pieces in cotton with lace and make them something that could last forever. Because if you wear vintage, it's going to fall apart. And also it's like usually tiny. And so I wanted to design a few styles that felt like, you know, they were, they were durable. They would last for, for a very long time. And so I started to work with, with India, um, with, with an amazing woman and factory in India who we're still working with actually. And she helped us to produce these original cotton and lace pieces. And at that same time, that's when we, that's when Burberry had these cotton and lace like Victorian dresses on their runway. And so Net-A-Porter and Barney's picked up the black and white collection that I did at that time. And that was just like coincidence. It was just like, that's what I was doing. And then it was like happening in the more ready to wear worlds of fashion as well. But then like my fits were wrong. My this, you know, I still had learning to do, but it still sold. So it was very much like a learning process in terms of that. But Net-A-Porter and Barney's really start, you know, they believed and they love finding these new brands. And even though there were, you know, there were some issues like Net-A-Porter is still one of our biggest, our biggest clients. Um, And, you know, we've been able to work with them and figure out what works, what doesn't like maybe it's not as much, you know, it goes through waves of like what works in terms of more romantic, what works in terms of flowy or more or more modern or fitted. Now things are getting, you know, a bit more slimmer and like 90. So you kind of have to evolve with the trends and and you have to, you know, you just have to adapt and you have to listen and see what's working. For us right now, we have like a really, we actually were like 70% wholesale, 30% to direct to consumer and right before COVID. And now we are 30% wholesale and 70% direct to consumer because we've opened, we have 17 stores now of our own. So between our stores, our website, it's like a third, a third, a third. That is incredible. And I love that you mentioned, because so many people want everything to be perfect. And so much of business, just even looking at your story is putting it out there, learning, like you said, the first three years were the hardest. You didn't know what you were doing. You're selling to these incredible businesses, but the fit's wrong. So I just love to underscore that because sometimes we don't take that leap until everything's perfect. And in reality, business doesn't work that way. And look, you still made it fast forward to today. Like, right, exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, now it's so incredible to see that you have now 17 stores, but let's talk about that first store you opened. I know, again, in another interview, you're like, I've never done a store. I knew nothing about this. So tell me more about the importance of that first store and really the biggest learnings you had with that. Cause that was pretty pivotal for you. Yeah. So that was a huge, you know, I'd always dreamed of having um, a store or stores and it was very important for me to really really like translate the world of Love Shack Fancy because for me, like from the beginning, it's very, you know, it's everything from the interiors, from the furniture, which I, I source all the furniture. Each each piece is one of a kind, antique, reupholstered in our fabrications. Um, you know, it's everything. And then like each store is inspired by the location where, where the store is. So it was very important for me to have the world's as a place where you could walk in and see the vision. So it's like the clothing is part of it. And then I also buy uh, third party. So I buy other brands, independent designers for the stores. And it's, it was important for me to have, you know, the customer walk in and be able to like travel and dream and sort of, you know, just escape whether and feel inspired. And so when I would go into any of the stores, like an intermix or a sax, no offense to sax, or wherever. It was just like a few random dresses hanging on a rack. And it was like, there was no story there. And you could never see my, like the design intention and then the intention of the brand. And we have such a specific DNA and vision. So, so that was really what was important for that first store. And when we opened that store, um, you know, I had no idea every time I'm like, no one's going to come. No one's going (laughs) to come. And we opened it uh, Memorial Day weekend. And there was like a line outside and it was like, flooded into the store, like young girls, teenagers, mothers, daughters, generations of women, just like in amazement. And like, they all had been such fans and I had no idea where. And I think that the younger girls had, had borrowed their mom's like mini skirts or dresses and borrowed their summer wardrobe. And so it was like getting passed from generation to generation, but they had never really been into a store and there was nothing like it. Like it was very maximal. It, It still is like maximalist and layered and intricate. And, you know, it's like when you walk in, it's like you can just discover something else. So I think that was, you know, really exciting. And definitely I knew I, that I was onto something. I was like, I had, I actually had like a panic attack after because I knew that there was such a demand and I had no idea what to do or how to do it. I was doing the buying. I was doing this. Like I had just started to hire more senior level people to work with me, but I wasn't yet at a place where I had the right staff. And I knew nothing about running retail operations and, you know, all the margins and all the, like just everything that goes into it. It's one thing to be able to have a store and to sell. It's another thing to like really make it profitable and to be able to then figure out how you can then continue and expand and grow and evolve, you know, so there's just so much opportunity. So it was a huge learning curve, um, which we, you know, so we started to hire then the right people at that time. And then we opened our next store, which is in Bleecker Street about a year later. And then our Palm Beach store, I think like six months after that. And then COVID happened. And then so we had several stores that were like in the works. And then there were all these opportunities of amazing retail locations that came up during COVID that we like jumped on. And my husband's in real estate. Now he works with me at Love Shack Fancy full time. But I mean, he's still, he does all the real estate and development, everything for us. But, you know, he's like, let's go, go, go. Like this is the time. So we were like very bullish 
and opened all these doors. That's so incredible to hear the story. And I, I want to talk about, you know, you open up this store. It's incredible to see the demand that you had. Were you doing, I mean, you guys were pretty early on social. So was that also how people were discovering you as well at the time? Yes. And then, yeah, that's definitely was like a big, a big, you know, a big factor. And I think it was also, that's how I was getting all the, you know, I, I would get very frustrated in terms of like press coverage on store openings or on things like that. I mean, we had, there was a great article in the New York Times and things, but also really like, how do you get this out to your customer? Mm-hmm. So I really just took to like Instagram and Instagram stories as like filming the whole thing and really bringing our audience in. And we had, of course, our website. So everyone, if they weren't there in person, because obviously you can't, not many people can go to a store location, it's such a small it was a little store in Sag Harbor. Um, so then everyone else can shop online. And then it's also helping all of the department stores that carry us. And, you know, so every, it's really helping like 360 degrees, um, having, I think, your own store and figuring out the balance of it. Because I do think it is great to have your own store, um, but it also can be a little bit, you know, insular and and it's hard to get things out there if you don't also have at least some support from any wholesalers or, you know, a, a, like a digital platform. Presence. Totally. I mean, it seems like you were so busy, right? You're doing the content, you're designing the clothes, you have a wholesale business, you're creating a store, you at the time didn't have a team, you're doing everything, you know, with a small team, mostly yourself. Did you ever get to the point, And before I go into this, you know, sometimes people think like, once you hit the demand, that it's amazing. But like you said, you felt panic because you're like, oh, shit, like, some this is real, like something's here and you don't even know what to do. You're like, who do I bring? So I can only imagine that anxiety yeah, that you felt. My daughters were little and they needed I was a lot. Ask- yeah. So it was yeah. like very much, I was like fully in it, in it, in it. And it's definitely like looking back, like if I, if that was right now, I would probably be more relaxed. But I think having like a, you know, what Scarlett was probably five. Yeah. She was five. I had a five and like two and a half year old. So it was like a different it's a different like toddler stage, you know? Totally. And that's what I was going to ask. Like, even when you launched the business, your first daughter was born and, you know, you had two younger ones when you were really blowing up, which is very different to like the position you are today and how old they are today. But how did you deal with those chaotic times? Like, was it just heads down? You just went? A lot of wine, a lot of like, like, I mean, that's why, I, I mean, I definitely had, like, I really, that first month when we opened the store, like I really had anxiety. I had to do like deep breathing, download the Calm app, do lots of long walks. I was just like very, very overwhelmed because I really needed the right support. And it's also really hard to find like, and you know, to figure out who you're going to trust. And so I'm very much like the creative and I really needed, um, you know, a strong business, you know, leader as well. And so luckily my head of sales, you know, we sort of transitioned her to be the, help be the brand president. And my husband started to get more involved in like financial things, numbers, Excel, all the things that I'm not the best at. And like, I really start had to get, you know, stay really focused in terms of all the creative, which is also what happened throughout COVID because it was like, you know, everyone's working from home and it got really intense too. And you really have to compartmentalize like what everyone's doing and the strengths and weaknesses of everyone and how you can, you know, sort of work together. But mm-hmm. I think it's like, it definitely was like daunting. And so I think it's just, you know, you feel like you're on this like 
pendulum, like you're going, 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 and you can't stop for sure. And there were definitely times where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, and then it's like your social life and this and that and travel and all these things. But I mean, at the end of the day, I was still having fun and I was still, and I was learning and, um, it was, it was so great. It was so inspiring. And like, I was just, you know, I loved the community that I was a part of. I loved meeting everyone at the store. I loved nothing more than like seeing these girls and women trying on the clothes and talking to them and seeing what I could improve on. And then like having this direct relationship with everyone through social media. And I was like, so then the drive got like even more and more, you know? And so for me, it's like when it's a, when it's more, then it's more of a challenge. And then, but I like thrive in terms, in, in, in those situations. So, and you know, I feel like sleep is underestimated, is, is overestimated. I'm just like, I'll sleep. sleep I do sleep. I do sleep, but like, I get so excited about things that like, then I'll have like a marathon sleep. Like Saturday night I slept for 10 hours and I woke up and I was like, wow. But for the most part, I like to go, go, go. Yeah. And what I love so much about you and the go, go, go nature is that you're finding inspiration and like you're excited, right? It seems like, like you're not sleeping because you're, you have to stay up doing you know, operations. I have too many ideas. I have like a thousand ideas. ideas. Yeah. And travel is like a huge inspiration for me. So when I travel, my brain is like, it's like on fire and everything I'm like photographing, shopping, you know, feeling inspired here, but like, you know, by all of it. So it's hard, even when I'm like away on vacation, yes. it's ne- it's always, I'm always working. I'm working. I never really, I don't even know when I'm wor- not working, but so it's always, and that's what happens when you have your own business and when you, you know, you have your own company and you love what you do. I feel like it's always, or that's, you know, how we have so many amazing collaborations. If I'm like, you know, whatever it may be, I, I'm feeling like inspired to continue to evolve and to move forward. And I feel like the second that I'm bored with something, then obviously everybody else is going to be. So it's like just fun yeah. to keep it interesting and exciting. I love that. And that's actually something I'm thinking a lot of, about. The past six months, our business has grown a lot and it's been like heads down operations. We sold out like, you know, all the nitty gritty and all beautiful stuff, but just a lot of like heads down working. And I'm finally looking up and I'm like, how do I continue to stay inspired? Because like you said, when you're bored or you're burnt out or you're not feeling excited, like the business, the team, the customers, like it exudes everywhere. Yeah. And you feel it and you see it. And especially, I mean, that's like, I, you know, I pretty much am like always wearing Love Shack Fancy or I'm wearing vintage or like a few high-end, you know, designer pieces that I'll mix in as well. But like, I need to, I want to love, I need to love it, not want to, like I need to love it. And so that's how also like, you know, the brand has grown as I've grown. Like I'm, you know, what am I? Almost 42. So now I'm, you know, my style has changed. I'm not in like always in the short, short skirts. I'm in the three quarter length or the longer or the covered sweater, you know? And so it's really evolving the customers, the age, like, so our brand in terms of the depth of like who we're designing for, you know, we're designing for so many more sophisticated and mature women now too, from their thirties up, you know, all the way up to their seven, my mom's mid 70, you know, she doesn't want me to say that, but whatever. And I didn't say that she's fabulous. She's in her (laughs) early sixties, but like, you know, so it's like, I'm thinking of everyone. I'm thinking of all the different women in my life and their daughters and their mothers and the different styles and like, you know, and so I think that's how you're also always evolving. And, you know, it's, it's hard to be able to be 
everything to everyone, but I, I feel like it's, it's a good challenge and there isn't really, you know, there isn't really a brand that in my opinion does such a great job of it. So I feel like that's really the niche of Love Shack Fancy. I, I literally have goosebumps. It's incredible that your brand really impacts like every woman at every age. At every it's age. Phenomenal. And it's like, and it really started off much more as like a resort where like beach, you know, lifestyle brand. And then we have evolved in the last like five years to so much more of, you know, four, cause we do four seasons and like our outerwear is amazing and our knitwear. And so we're taking the girls and the women, not just like to the beach we're you know and it's not just just the summer wardrobe even though that's what a lot of people have have typically thought of love shack fancy over the years but now we're really taking her you know we're taking her to london to paris to new york city to you know connecticut you know winter weekend to aspen skiing we're doing you know ski we, we literally are doing like everything so um, it's it's fun to think about that and to design into it and to have the different categories and think about, you know, and and that's really just like how we're continuing to evolve and and to be and, you know, and then recently we've we've launched beauty. So our fragrances have been like a huge hit and super successful, which is amazing. Yeah. And how did you think about, I mean, I'm sure you have a million ideas. I mean, this is for sure a lifestyle brand. How did you think about launching fragrance? Was it something you heard from the community or what was yeah, the- Yeah. I mean, people have been asking us, when are you going to do fragrance? When are you going to do fragrance for so many years? Like Erin Lauder, we did a collaboration with her years ago and she's like, you have to do fragrance. And I was like, I have known nothing about it. Um, and I always had assumed, you know, because when you think of it is that you're going to have license by a big perfume company, you know, like a, um, you know, an Estee Lauder, or anyone, you know, who really the big perfume companies. And I always felt a little intimidated again about that just because I didn't want to be like at the mercy of these of these like suits and like saying, okay, this is what your brand should smell like. This is what it should look like and all those things. And so honestly, we met with so many different companies for like a year and a half, tried to figure out what was the right thing to do. And everyone said fragrance for sure. Beauty is, is, has huge potential. And also seeing my daughters as they're now eight and a half um, or eight and 10 and a half, they're obsessed with beauty. Like the world of these young girls is insane with fragrance, beauty, skincare. It's like wild. And so I look to them. I learn so much from them. It's like Gen Alpha, Gen, like this this is, it's crazy what goes on. So we knew we were, we were definitely needing to get into this category. And then, um, so we developed our fragrances on our own with the help of, of this company who sort of guided us. And we hired an amazing GM of beauty in-house. So like, instead of in the beginning, I didn't hire someone to like lead the fashion. So this time I've kind of learned from what I didn't do with fashion and learned on my own for all those years. And we just were like, okay, we're hiring someone who's amazing. Who's going to teach us what we need to know. Um, and then we were able to partner with Sephora. And so we did an exclusive with them for a few years and they've been amazing. So we get like in the kitchen with them, they call it. And they really have been guiding us um, on the fragrances and, you know, the look and feel. And um, so it's been really, really successful. And we're already working on the fourth fragrance. We like just sold out actually of our best selling fragrance there. I think we have Two of them are sold out on Sephora.com already, which Amazing. is crazy. It's in almost every Sephora. Then we're launching another fragrance in July. And then we're doing mm -hmm. Body Mist in September, which is going to be um, really incredible too. So 
I'm so excited about all this. And it's so it's so cool to see that it took you about, you were saying like a year and a half to really understand, like you were a little intimidated, but learning. But once you kind of went go, you moved fast. And yeah, no. And it also, it's like, it's a whole, it's launching, like we're a startup beauty yep. brand, right? Like we don't have the financial, you know, we're very much so, it's like Love Shack Fancy Beauty is its own mini startup within Love Shack Fancy because we don't have the funding of like this mega you know, company behind us. And so we needed to find out if it worked. And luckily, you know, it is working. And so, and we decided to just really be able to partner with the, again, it's like, it's the perfect combination between doing it within your own channels, like direct to consumer. So in our stores and in our website, and then with a, a partner on the wholesale side, and because their marketing, their exposure their I mean, it's like unbelievable, you know? So I just... Like and so many of their customers have never heard of Love Shack Fancy. It's a completely different demographic. It's a completely different. And so what's amazing is they're actually falling in love with the perfumes on their own just because they love the bottle, they love the packaging, and they love the scents. But they don't so many of them don't even know Love Shack Fancy as a clothing brand, or they might not be able to afford it, or you know, whatever it is. So brilliant. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm so curious, there's all these new projects that light you up and are energy givers. Would you say there's anything that drains your energy that you're mindful of, whether it was the early days of the business or even now that you know, like when I have these meetings or these problems, like it just drains my energy? I mean, budgets. (laughs) (laughs) No, like that is not fun. So the end of the year is always like, oh, I mean, but it's also at the same time, it's also like, okay, so here's a challenge, Rebecca, you can't spend, you know, X this, the budget has like gone down, you know, 20% since last year for photo shoots and whatever else. So you have to be, you have to be more creative and you have to be scrappier and you have to, and also for, I really am like that. Like I get like down and dirty and everything. And so many people, because we have such a strong team, visuals, creatives, you know, and, and it's kind of, everyone's able to sort of take my vision and, you know, expand on that and bring all that. We, it seems like we spend much, much, much more than we do. Like we're really like when we're working with other companies or hiring them, we're like, forget it. We have to do it all in house because we just like, we know how to make it, we know how to make it work. And it's like a secret sauce that I think that we have and Mm -hmm. that we just, you know, we love. And so that's why it is important. You know, we've been able to build our incredible team, like a lot in the last few years. And I was able to hire like really strong senior leadership in the last actually like year and a half, which has been amazing and so important because like when you reach a certain point, there's only a certain place that I can help to take everything, you know? So now I have like the most exceptional, I'm so lucky. I have the most exceptional team and each one of them is leading their own departments and like really bringing in their area of expertise. And, you know, so, so that's all exciting. So, I mean, I would say like the budget stuff, the numbers, the budget, but, you know, and then at the end of the day, it's like, it, it's, it's still fashion and it still needs to be fun. So you just need to, like, sure. I'm always up for the challenge. So, you know, and then fashion week is like so exciting and inspiring. It's just stressful. So, but I, I think that's like, I don't really get nothing. 
it's all pretty positive. It can be stressful and still amazing at the same time because it's your passion. It's it's what lights you up. So it's not even like one or the other. And I had a friend tell me that the other day. I was like, it's really tough right now, but I love it. And she's like, you can do both. It could be tough and you can still like enjoy it. So the having both is just maybe exactly. like entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. And I'm so curious. I was reading, you know, I've been following you guys on social and you guys went completely viral on TikTok. I don't know what year was that during COVID or what really took you guys to another level on TikTok? Well, so I think for TikTok, um, it was really the Bama Rush. That was like the big thing. So I, I, and I didn't even know what Bama Rush was. And we just only started doing our own TikTok, like after that sort of more in response to it, because there was this huge, like sort of organic growth and demand. And everyone was like, oh, my OOTD, my outfit of the day is Love Shack Fancy. And the like preppy, it's like this preppy, um, you know, sort of trend that it's a new preppy trend. And so it's like fun colors and ruffle mini skirts. Love Shack Fancy is very preppy. So like all these girls were doing unboxing and like all this stuff. And then I remember when it was brought to my attention, it was in the middle. It was like towards the end of COVID basically. And everyone's doing, and I at first was like, oh my, oh my gosh, like these girls, we can't, everyone's going to think we're just like a college sorority brand. Like this isn't good. You know, then I started looking into it and it was actually kind of amazing and interesting. And I, again, in that instance, didn't know that there was like a massive following of girls from like Alabama, Arizona, Kentucky, like it was like cult status. Like everyone was doing rush in their Love Shack fancy outfit of the day outfit. So it was like a full on thing. And so then we kind of started to lean into that a bit because like also a lot of our stores happen to be in college towns as well or close by. Was you know, that so on purpose or coincidental? Not, yeah, more like coincidentally. Um, and we would, you know, start to do some activations. Like now we've like done fun things. We do little pop-ups, trunk shows we do like during game days. We'll do like our ruffle mini skirts and our best-selling little Natasha dresses in the school colors that the girls wear. We'll do, um, you know, we've done things at sorority houses. Like I just was checking our DMs recently and everyone's like, oh, we want to do a partnership in our Kappa Pi. But I, n- I was never in a sorority. So I feel like I'm living out my sorority dreams, like with all of this in like a whole other world. And so it's, it's hysterical and amazing for me to watch it because it's so crazy and cult. But a lot of the girls that work here were in sororities or they know it. But yeah, so that really went full on viral. And, um, you know, and then we started like doing different things. And then there have been some, some influencers again, who like, we've never, we've never paid, um, influencers. So this has all just been like an organic, like with, if we, if we send, you know, something to someone and they like it or, or they, they buy it themselves, just like depending. Oh my gosh. I love that. What a surprise that must've been just like, yeah. <laughs> and I also wasn't a sorority. So I'd be like, wait, what's going on? What oh, is yeah, this? Exactly. I was like, well, I couldn't even understand them with their thick Southern accents. And it's like, so yeah. but like, we do have a lot of stores in the South. So, you know, I think that the girls, and then it's just like this, you know, popularity, it's like cult status. It's like love shack fancy. And also we had done a collaboration with target during like it launched actually uh, it was it was supposed to be March 2020, but because of COVID, it was so it was pushed to April. And then that was like it was it was supposed to be huge activations in all the stores, but to be safe, it was mostly online. So that really like had a it, like a viral launch, 
And so I think that really throughout all of Instagram and then organically it happened on TikTok as well that everyone was like posting and doing all this stuff about their target pieces, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I know I was reading an article where you mentioned like how involved you were and probably still are about like the DMs and being involved with social. Yeah. At what point were you like, okay, this is too many messages. Like I need support. Were you in it for the, like, I mean, very I am long still time? so, I have to be reminded by everything. They're like, Rebecca, yeah. you have to stop. Like yeah. I am crazy. I like to read every comment. I like to read every DM. Now I have, um, you know, an amazing uh, team and like they help of course to answer and to like, customer service and things like that. And then we know when like we launched our gap collaboration, for example, like it went again, it went like viral TikTok. Everyone was trying to guess what was in the collaboration. So we need more support. But like, I really, a lot of the times people are like, oh, who am I speaking? It's like, hi, I'm Rebecca. I really am like in it. And I don't know if it's like, Half, I'm like addicted to it. I don't do the TikTok. So that's the good thing. I guess I'm more, you know, old school with Instagram because that's like more my age group. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so at least I'm not like into the TikTok craze as well. I have someone who fully manages our TikTok. Um, But with Instagram, I just like, I need to know what people are wanting, what they're posting, what they're seeing. Because I feel like if I don't, then I'm like, out of touch with them. And I really like to be in touch because I find so much inspiration as well. Like even as we're designing new collections or like bringing back favorite styles, pieces, whatever, I see what girls are gravitating towards, what they're loving, what they're craving, you know, like things like that. So I love it. I don't know. It, it makes me feel close to like this more extended community. Yeah, for sure. And I love, so you mentioned you get inspiration from the customers that you connect with traveling, anything else that kind of keeps your creative juices flowing? So, I mean, everything like for me, it's, it's the travel, it's like vintage inspiration. So I have a massive archive of vintage pieces, which we take, you know, so I'm constantly buying and sourcing for that. And then we'll take prints and we'll hand paint, have an, you know, we have our, our talented designers like hand paint the prints or just, you know, change the prints into our colorways. Same for all the laces, everything that we, we create, it's all custom to Love Shack Fancy. So it's not something that you'll ever buy at like a market or anywhere else. It's all custom developed. Um, so it's really the mix of like sourcing, shopping, buying, which I do a lot of the times when I'm traveling and, mm-hmm. you know, my my daughters are like a huge inspiration and, and their friends. And then at the same time, my mom is like, I see what she's gravitating towards. And then, yeah. And then I would say our customers and um, I, I would say that's like the most part. But I love to like travel and see how, mm-hmm. you know, the style is super different in London or in Paris. Like I'm dying to go to Tokyo. I know I'm going to be so inspired there, but I need to get there. Um and, you know, different places. Like, it's like you get the island vibes when you're in the Caribbean, St. Bart's, Tulum, like that element. And for me, it's very much like the world of love, shack, and fancy. And so, like, love, like the way that I think about it is like love is like your day to night, like your every day, your best friend, the pieces you're always wearing. Fancy is like what you're wearing for more events, special occasions, the fancier pieces, you know, more elevated, sophisticated, expensive. And then shack is like more beach and more um, 
bohemian and sort of in that world. So you're wearing that to, you know, warm weather, like your, your like mermaid vibes on the beach and that kind of thing. So we really design like not only just our fashion, but also now our beauty into those three worlds of love shack and fancy. So now I'm excited. I'm going on like a warm weather trip. I'm going to get into my shack vibes. Like I haven't had that in a while, you know? So I get, it's really like the culture, the the locals, the people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see what everyone's wearing. I take photos of everything. I'm like in it. So I love it. Awesome. Yeah. And I love the way you talk about love shack fancy and like different modes of what you're yeah. doing and how I, I yeah, and like, it's just that. different. It could be different personalities of yours. Yeah. It could be, you know, where you're inspired, where you're traveling, but like for me, there's always, it's like what you're bringing out. It's like the love shocker fancy. Like I'm like love and like the city data, you know? And then it's like fancy when you're trying, you know, you're, you're, you're channeling that like more glamorous, fancier. And then the shock is just when you're getting down to your, to that, to that beachy. Oh my God. I love it. I feel like vacation right now. That sounds lovely. I'm excited for you. Well, Rebecca, you've been building this brand for almost over 10 years. You're hitting that mark. Yeah, we just did. Yeah. 10 years. just hit 10 years, right? Wow. Incredible. It's been a decade. What do you think has been the most surprising thing that you've learned about yourself in this process? The most surprising thing about myself, I would say that I can definitely micromanage a lot. um, And that every time I, you know, I thought that I wasn't going to be able to, you know, to sort of take the next steps and to evolve as like, as a entrepreneur, as a creative, as a business leader, as a mom, you know, I've, I've definitely, you know, proven to myself that I'm able to do it. And I think just like, you know, being like entering into your forties and to having my business now entering into the next decade, you sort of like look and, you know, you look back and you look at all the things that you've done and would have done differently. But at the same time, it's like, you know, everything has sort of made my journey and experience, you know, has has sort of helped to formulate where I am now and how I've been here and how I've, I do feel very like grounded and I feel very grateful. And, um, you know, you get onto your, in different times, you get into your high horse. You're so confident. You feel this, you feel like you're like on top of the world and then something happens and you're down. And, you know, so now it's like having this great balance where I, you know, it's really like, you know, I'm so like, so inspired by all the amazing people that I'm lucky enough to be around and to work besides. And, um, you know, I see their passion and devotion to my business, which everyone feels so excited about and everyone's like love of it. And, you know, I'm now it's like a different stage with my daughters who are going into like this tween, te- like it's a whole other world. So it's like they were little girl. Now they're not such little girls. It's all different phases of life. Um, and so you kind of it's just like along along the journey and and sort of just discovering and learning new things about yourself and just I'm still trying to figure out how to take more time for myself and like what that means. But I think having like figuring out the balance is is really is really important and just figuring out what makes you happy and what, um, you know, how you're going to be able to succeed in all the different ways and not be too overwhelmed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, 100%. And when you started Love Shack Fancy, did you ever envision it to be where it is today, like looking back of 10 years oh my ago? God, no, I was like, I, I wanted a, a little a little brand, even though the word brand wasn't even like a little clothing line that I was like, 
at first I said we would never sell to department stores, just to small boutiques. I wanted to make like eight to 10 styles. That was it. And it was just going to be a fun side project. And like I had never an intention of like having employees and having like a whole business, but you know, and nothing. So I think it was just, it was really like a go with the flow and mm-hmm. see and learn. And, you know, I'd always asked, it was really like my husband that I had said, like, well, if you're helping me, can you, can I get it? Like, can we have a business plan? He's like, no, because business plans don't even matter. So, okay, which I, I, I don't know if I believe, I didn't believe then. I don't know if I believe now, even though we never really like followed the rules. That's the thing. Like at, we never followed, we always like went against what, the the what people were saying when they said don't open stores retail is dead we open stores you know when they said like you know don't do this like flowy bohemian romantic clothing like i did it um so it was always like kind of going against the grain and and just following my heart and doing that and and so i feel like as we've done that so it really wasn't a business plan it wasn't what most like professional or established people in the in in the worlds of fashion and probably in beauty actually now too that we've spoken to would have suggested or said. So I really think it's been, you know, we've kind of set our own rules and now such a different time where like, you know, really anything can go as long as you believe in it and you have have the right strategy, you have the right passion, motivation. Um, so I think you know, it definitely is, it's definitely been an interesting, it's like, you don't often sit there and then like, think about it. But when I, now that I do, I think it, it is really, um, it is really amazing. And it's so exciting. And I definitely know, never, ever had imagined Love Shack Fancy being where it is now. And my mom always was like, you work too hard. You work too that, you know, you need to be with the girls more, stop working, stop. But I mean, I feel like I was like that with her too. And she's kind of my toughest critic, but yet my like best cheerleader along the set, you know, but she's like super high standards. So um, I'm constantly pushing and striving and, um, but it's nice to just like also then just say, okay, wow, look, look at this. Like, I'm proud of us, you know? I love that. There's so many things that you've done that kind of went against the grain with what you were saying, like Love Shack Fancy, you were doing things that were not common from other business owners, no business plan. You were going with the flow and doing the right next thing that was for you. And also having your mom, you know, telling you like, stop working so much. Like you're still just being who you are. Like you're still an incredible mom, still doing your business. And I love that you've created this life that's true to you. And I wish that for every woman, like you didn't waver to what anyone else was doing, which is a huge aspect of your success. And I love that. Yeah. And I think it was very much like for me, the way it worked is it just worked to like, like I live, breathe, eat, sleep, like love shack fancy as a world, as a business, as a lifestyle, as a, like, it is like, you see what you get. Like there is nothing that like I go to the office and it turns on or I go home, like home, work, travel, kids, husband, you know, it's all there. And so I think that that is really, it very much like is a part of me. So it's easy to kind of let this be my business because you know it just is I'm, I'm i have so i have too many ideas for life itself so like yeah, I know. You know, it's, it's I know definitely that. um it's just and that's how i've been able i guess like really to balance it all because it just is it's like part of who i am part of the dna and just also you know i really do believe that like you can do it all like you can be 
you know, you can be a great mom and you can have your own business. It's so much easier to be able to do that balance now in this day and age than it was when I was growing up and my mom was working where it was like, you're only working at the office. And then like, you know, you can't work like, because we're in, we can be in touch. We can, we're on text, we're on email, we're on social, like you can work, you know, different times remotely, whatever else it may be. So I, I really think that like, you're able to find a balance between, between parenting, between, you know, business, between so like everything, everything. And so it really is like, that's exciting. And I feel like there's so much more opportunity for women and girls to be able to do amazing things because you really just need to take it into your own hands and figure out the way that it works for your own lifestyle because you don't have to be like stuck at the desk, you know, all day, just like on the laptop, like responding to emails, you know? So I think for bosses as well, like for, you know, founders, companies, like everyone needs to understand that too. And, and, you know, the, I think employees, like everyone should be in places and feel inspired and feel challenged and, you know, that kind of thing. So. I love it. I'm so inspired. Rebecca, well, let's end on a last question. Tell us what you're excited about. I know you're doing so many things, but maybe a few you can share with us for what's next for the brand, any fun partnerships, products. Yeah, we have, well, we have, I can't say which collab, which collaborations we're doing, but we have a really fun one. One on like in February, it's going to break the internet. I swear <laughs> it's going to go TikTok crazy. Um, so that's a really fun one inspired by my daughter's like uh, one of their obsessions. Actually, we have like three insane, really fun collabs coming up, which are a little different for us and out of the box in the, um, from like February through the summer, which is great. And then Beauty, Love Shack Fancy Beauty is like going full speed ahead and our fragrances are doing so well. They have like sold out and I mean, we're restocking, but then we have a like our best one yet that's launching in July. And then these body mists, which like I know everyone, all these young girls are obsessed with, which are launching in September. Um, so those will be also with Sephora and then for us too. So that will be really, really exciting and, um, and major. Amazing. I'm so excited. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for being here. This was so much fun and such an honor to meet you. Oh, great. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.